0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. We uh, just kicked off a brand new series last week called 40 Simple Days. Uh, If you haven't received a, a, a reading guide yet. We have a 40-day reading guide. Many people in our church have contributed to this writing uh, each day that you can follow along throughout this 40-day journey. I, I encourage you, if you like to get things online, you can get it on the website, or you also pick one up here, print it off. we we'll would be glad to get you one of those as well, so you can kind of stay with us. Thank you all those who have been uh, contributing to the writing. I've really enjoyed is getting in and seeing what you what God is sharing in your life as well through this through this study. Well, during this 40 simple days, it's a journey that we're all taking together where we are committing to making more room in our life, getting the clutter, getting kind of simplifying and making more room so that God can do what only he can do in us. All right? And so Jesus, what he wants to do in us, as we make more room for him, is to give us life. Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And one of the things, as we get busy, as our lives get cluttered, one of the things that goes quick to, to the, that is sacrificed on the altar of busyness is exercising and eating well. Those things get cut out pretty quickly because we get so busy, we we need food fast in our schedule. So what do we do? We hit the drive-thru to the fast food restaurants so that we can get a quick fix. And I did some research this week and I found out that Zanesville used to wear the crown. We used to have the championship belt of being the fast food capital of... Ohio. Woohoo. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if that's factually true still, but it feels true. Especially when you drive up and down Maple Avenue and your stomach's hungry, and you're going, what, wh- what are the options? Oh, Oh, okay. And you start looking around, and that's what we have. And so doctors and health professionals have been telling us for decades that we need to eat better. We need to exercise more. But many of us in our daily schedules that are so full, that are so cluttered, we just don't find the time. And I want to tell you from personal experience today that the struggle is real. All right? The struggle is real. Yeah, this is me from 2007 about to 2011, uh, and about at my max, I weighed about 230 pounds, just a little north of there. And it's no surprise to me that during this season is when I was very busy, just newly married to a woman who could cook some mean food. Uh, we moved, made a major decision to move across the country to be a church planter, to start three churches in five years, uh, raised $600,000 during that time and working hard to get the project going, became a father for the first time of two little busy boys. And I had every excuse of why I didn't have the time to eat well, to work out, and plus, My body didn't work quite the way that it used to with this thing called metabolism, right? That changed on me quick. And one day I went to see the doctor for a round of regular checkup and he gave me a bit of a wake-up call. He told me that my cholesterol was astronomically high. He said that my blood pressure was all out of whack and he looked me in the eye And he spoke truth. Let's just say it that way. He said, young man, I don't know what you're doing, but you have a wife and you have two young boys who are not going to have a father if you don't change your habits. Woke me up a little bit. And I left the doctor that day and I did not go directly home. I actually went to a running store to get professionally fit for running shoes. I went online and signed up for a half marathon and began to train, began to eat well. Right then and there, I said, no more, what do they call it in Ohio? Pop soda? I forget. I always forget. Uh, no more Diet Coke is what I said. And uh, every day, I average three Diet Coke cans a day, at least, right? And so I said, no more of that. In two weeks of cutting that out, dropped 10 pounds. In my coffee, I said, no more am I going to drink with two cups or two, two tablespoons of sugar and half and half out. I'm drinking black coffee the way God intended it to be. All right, and after that, I began to continued on the process. dropped fifty five pounds, weighed one hundred and seventy five, a weight I had never seen since I was a freshman in college, and began, gentlemen, to see the hint, the the smallest hint, if you will, of the formation of what you call that six pack of abs. Right? I never thought I'd ever see anything like that. And the reason why I share all of that information with you. It is to tell you that all of us know how real this struggle is to find time to make that commitment to eat well and to exercise more. And maybe, maybe I can give you some wake-up calls today. These are some statistics that are, that are found very recently. It says, For the first time in history, there are as many people suffering from the result of too much food As there are suffering not getting enough food or malnutrition. So, while millions of people suffer from not having enough to eat, millions are struggling with the effects of being overweight. That seven in 10 Americans are considered to be overweight, that diabetes, heart disease, and other lifestyle based diseases now kill more people than infectious diseases worldwide. And that this year alone, we will spend three trillion dollars on health care, and 80 percent of it will be from preventable, curable, lifestyle-based diseases. Now, you may be thinking. Are we talking about this in church? (laughs) Why are we talking about this in church? You know, the reason why we are is because the Bible speaks to this. God's word speaks to this, and we need to address it. But I want to make sure a few things are, are said here today. That this is not about weight. This is not about physical appearance. We know that God values us not based on our outward appearance. He looks to the heart that this is not about weight. This is about health. And it's certainly not my intention today to try to make anybody feel uncomfortable. It's not my intention to make you feel guilty because of past decisions that have turned into habits and have resulted in where we are today. It's not my intention. Matter of fact, our, our motivation today is nothing to do with guilt. That's not what our motivation is today. Our motivation is love. Because God is crazy about each and every one of you. That he designed you wonderfully and uniquely. And because of his love, that we love him back because he first loved us. And we need to love ourselves because when we identify, when we realize that we are created as in the image of God, that we are his prized creations, that we are his sons, the sons and daughters of the king, and we need to love one another and encourage one another to live the lives that God created us to live. And I'm not saying that God doesn't want us to enjoy food. I'm not saying that at all. Matter of fact, God created us with tens of thousands of taste buds. He went and created all this amazing and delicious kinds of foods that's out there to explore and to experience. He wouldn't have done all that if he said, here's all this great stuff. Now, don't touch it. You know, he wants us to enjoy food. Matter of fact, my, my life verse is in Ecclesiastes 9, 7 that says, eat your food with gladness. Can I get an amen? Eat your food with gladness, right? In the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, God gives this very detailed list, this diet for his people, the Israelites. And isn't it interesting that today health professionals look at the things that God mentioned in Leviticus and go, you know what? It'd actually be really good for us if we went back to eating more of those things and less of these things. That God wasn't giving us these restrictions to be a cruel God. He was saying, this is a better way. This is so that you can have a better, more full life. And then in the New Testament, God gave the apostle Peter a vision where he saw this blanket, this sheet coming down from heaven. With on it was all these different types of food and animals that were restricted back in the Levitical law. And God tells Peter, Peter, go ahead. Fire up the grill. Eat. And Peter's like, no, I can't do that. I mean, I, I, for, for hundreds, for thousands of years. That's been food that's been restricted. I can't do that. And God says, no, nothing is restricted anymore. No, nothing's forbidden. Nothing is unclean. Grab your fork, eat. So what does that mean for us? Is God telling us that we can go and carte blanche, do whatever we want and get as much of that food and consume it and devour it and and just fill ourselves up time and time again and and hit that fridge. I think like all of us would agree with most things in life, when things are done with wisdom and moderation, they're going to go very well with you. But it's when we indulge ourselves and when we consume time and time again, when things begin to hold a mastery over us, that things become a problem. I mean, I mean, take money, for example. Is money good or is money evil? And, and maybe you would go, well, money, well, I think money is evil because the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. Well, it's partly right. Actually, what the Bible says is the, that the love of money is the result, is the root of all evil, right? So it puts it back on who? puts it back on us the user of the money that money is neither good nor evil but if you use it with wisdom and moderation and it it doesn't take a mastery over you then it's good but if you allow it to consume you and you becomes what drives you and you and you want more and more stuff and you need more money to get it now it's becoming a problem same thing with the internet and social media. I've heard people say all the time, oh, social media, the internet, it's really bad stuff. Uh, actually, it's a lot of great stuff too. And with wisdom and with moderation, you have all this information that's accessible to you right at your fingertips. You're able to connect with people from across the world in easy ways. And, and, and people are coming to know Jesus because of, of social media, because of the internet. With wisdom wisdom. And moderation. But then you have people who use it and they're on hours and hours and hours and it consumes their life. And you have husbands and wives who, who maybe things aren't great in the marriage right now. So they begin to, to, to go searching for the old flame from high school and engage in some flirty, fun conversations to get excited about that. And it's becoming to be used for evil. And internet pornography where it's being used for, 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 for evil. And, and cat videos where it's able to be used for, 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 for evil. I don't know why you're laughing. Food is, food is the same way. It's neither good nor evil. It depends on the person and how they're using it. With wisdom, with moderation, it can be good. It can lead to great things. And we talked about this verse last week, and we're going to go a little deeper into it this week. But the Apostle Paul says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And I will not be mastered by anything. So God doesn't want us to go around being hungry all the time like those runway models who have those angry faces as they walk, right? And they're they have those angry faces because they're hungry all the time because they weigh 32 pounds. That is not what God wants from us. But at the same time, how does he feel when we pull up to a table and we have one of these waiting for us? All right. A monster burger? it has 6000 calories in it which is like 3 times your daily intake of calories you don't I mean how many of you when you were growing up maybe your, your parents taught you how to pray around the dinner table and I, I learned this maybe you learned this too where you say these words god bless this food to the yeah to the body or to the nourishment of our body and there have been times where i have uttered that prayer And I stop halfway through and I can't keep a straight face because I'm like, God, there is nothing on this table that has any nutritional value whatsoever. Jesus is going, I had an easier time turning water to wine than turning that five guys burger into something healthy. Right? And I think so many of us, we would agree 100% that we would say we shouldn't take illegal drugs because it's going to harm our bodies. We should not consume large amounts of alcohol because it's going to consume, it's going to hurt our bodies and it's going to potentially hurt others. That we shouldn't physically assault someone because it's going to hurt someone else or could turn around and end up hurting you. That sexually, that we should be honoring God with our bodies, be committed to our spouse and our spouse only. But when it comes to food, we go, what's the big deal? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Give me the artery clogger with cheese, a large fry, a large diet coke. Everything's good. Cancels out with the diet coke. Well, a few weeks ago, we knew that we were going to be talking about this very subject, and so we decided to shoot a video to help draw a point to it. So, why don't you turn the lights down and watch this video for a moment. Many of you have heard before that my my dream car is a Jeep Wrangler. And right now you may be asking yourself, did Matt finally get his Jeep Wrangler? And the answer to that question is, no, no I didn't, not at all. Um, But someone, a friend of ours, did give me their Jeep Wrangler for the day. And I have the key. So let's go for a ride, shall we? So, uh, like I said, this is not my Jeep. This is uh, a friend of mine. He's given me his Jeep for the day. And so, you better believe I'm taking extra care as I drive this thing. I, I am not eating in this car. There's no food. I mean, my eyes are are scanning for police and for roadkill on the road. My hands have not been at ten and two since driver's ed, and they are firmly locked in at 10 and 2. I'm taking as good of care of this Jeep as I possibly can. Our bodies, the Bible says, they're not our own. That they are a gift from God, that they are the temple of God. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we have been bought with a price, and that Jesus bought us with His his blood, we need to be good stewards or be good caretakers of what God has given us. And we gotta take care of what God, what we put in our bodies and what we do with our bodies because these are our temple that God has given us and that we need to take good care of them. And just as I would make sure the right kind of fuel gets in this vehicle and that it's getting its right oil change and right uh, care needed, The same thing with our bodies, that we should take care of what God has given us, and we are giving Him the glory and honor through how we use our bodies. That's a cool muscle car. Why are they... Why are they going five miles per hour in a super nice car like that? Who is this? Who in the world? What? Steven? Hey. Hey. What are you doing? I'm just uh, my, uh, my future father-in-law. He, he let me borrow his car for the day. Uh, he's been working on it for years, trying to restore it. Uh, I'm getting married in a month. Uh, I'm just trying, you know, I, I'm going slow. I don't want to mess anything up. Well, if you have your Bibles or your devices with you and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, while you're going there, I'm going to give you a little background what, why we're going to this area of, of Scripture today. Uh, the Apostle Paul, when he, he had started this church in the ancient city of Corinth, and then after he kind of led it for a while, he moved on to start other churches as well. And he gets word that trouble is a brewing back in Corinth, that this church, some Trouble has begun to to come in here, and he can't just pick up things and move and go back to Corinth. And so he writes a letter, which is what you have now in your Bibles in 1 Corinthians. He writes this letter because what had taken place is this new, different theology had begun to seep its way into the church called dualism. And what dualism is, it basically is this thought that, what you, you, is that your body and your spirit are separate. That your spirit is over here. It, your soul is over here. And it's what is eternal. It's what really matters. And your body doesn't count. It's going to die anyway. You don't need to worry about that. Whatever, and they, the, the people were reasoning in the church of Corinth that whatever we do with our bodies... It's no big deal because it doesn't touch the spirit. It doesn't touch the soul. And how this was living out in the church was sexually. They were going through all these different immoral sexual acts and they were justifying it. Because what does it matter what we do with our bodies? It's our souls that really matter. And Paul comes in and he's like, no, you don't get it. God created us with our bodies and our souls and our spirit to be intertwined. You cannot separate. You can't compartmentalize the two things. And so he makes some points out of verses 19 and 20. The first one is this. He says, our bodies, they don't belong to you. They belong to God. He says, don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. And we talked about this last week that when God, he called King Solomon to build his, his temple is a place that God would allow his presence to meet with the people, that people would come from all over the place to come to the temple to be near the presence of God. And That they would only use the finest of materials for the construction and the furnishings of the temple. It was a big, big deal. It It was a place of worship and a place of order. And the temple was a big, big deal for Jesus. Do you remember what happened when Jesus came to the temple one time? And there were people there who were desecrating the temple. What he did? He got outraged. He makes a whip starts flinging it around, starts flipping over tables and, because these guys were, were, were merchants who were taking advantage of the people who were coming in to offer their sacrifices, to, to worship God. And Jesus wasn't having that. The temple was a big deal to him. So when you put all this together, and we realize that we, our bodies, are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the presence of God now dwells in us because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to be good temple managers of what God has given us so that he can do what only he can do through us. And so we we must not trash the temple. The next point that he talks about is this. He is is that our bodies, that God values your body. He says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. When we moved to Zanesville about three years ago, we were in the market for a second vehicle, and we have a family in our church who was selling their, their, their car, a used Jeep Cherokee, not a Jeep Wrangler, a Jeep Cherokee, huge difference. And this car had about $160,000, or I'm sorry, 160,000 miles on it. And so we, we said, you know, we'll pay cash for it, and we, we, we made the decision, we're going to drive this Jeep Cherokee into the ground. You know, we're going we're to use this thing as much as possible, and we did. The last year of its life, it was, I think it was holding together by duct tape and prayer. And finally, one day after I was done preaching, I was heading home and I could just tell this is it. This is the last time I'm going to be behind the steering wheel of this car. I'm smelling burning. And when I pulled into the driveway, smoke was pouring out. I thought, I mean, I would not let the kids or Janie be in that car. If I went, I don't care. But I would really matter if they, if they were her. So we get there, and I said, I'm done with this car. I call the, the, the tow truck with my cell, and I said, listen, come on over. Uh, I want you to take this truck. Get it out of here. We're done. Just take it. Scrap it. Just want it gone. The guy comes... He looks over at the Jeep and he's like, "You know, I'm a bit of a mechanic, and yeah, there's a lot of work that needs to be done on this, but I think I can do some of this stuff. How much you want for it?" Now, five seconds ago, this Jeep Cherokee had no value to me at all. But with the words, "How much you want for it," all of a sudden that changed, and I went into 1,000 dollars, man. And he goes, "Hmm, how about 600? Sold. Get And I, and I got paid, man. And here's the point from what I'm saying is that something is only worth what someone will pay for it. Someone, something is only worth what someone will pay for it. And listen, God values you so much that he allowed his one and only son to die on a cross for you. That's how much he values you. I don't know what kind of sports car or car is your dream car. Maybe it's a Jeep Wrangler. Maybe it's a 1978 Firebird. Maybe it's a Maserati or whatever. But listen, God values you much, much, much more than you would value that car. You are his masterpiece. We look at our, ourselves in the mirror and we go, Ugh. So much I would love to change about this, and God's going. You don't see what I see. You are my masterpiece. You are my Maserati. Would you? Would you right now? Just whoever you're sitting next to. Would you just look to them and tell them, "Hey, remind them you are a Maserati." Tell them that. And single guys, that is not a pickup line. (laughs) You are a Maserati. I'm so glad I'm not single anymore. Now now tell that same person. Now tell that same person. Speak scripture to them. Say, you are bought at a price. Tell them that. And that's the worst pickup line ever. Don't use that one. (laughs) But you get the point, right? The apostle Peter wrote this. He said, you know... That it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors. But with what? With the precious blood of Christ. That is how valuable you are to God. And the last point he pulls from this text is that God has a purpose for your body. So honor God with your bodies. You know, let's say, for instance, imagine if after this 40 simple days, I said, forget that. Now that I preached that, I'm done with that. I want to live the way that I want to. I begin to eat whatever I want. Fast food every day, sat around, did nothing, drank all the time, smoked all the time. And a year later, I die from a massive heart attack. Some of you are going to go, we got Chris, we're still good. Um, (laughs) But others of you will go, Oh, what a waste. What, what a waste. But take that scenario over here. But then in another scenario, let's say that I, there were other disciplines of my life that I let cave in. Let's say I had an affair. Let's say that I embezzled money. Let's say that I went to prison for becoming a, an assassin for hire. You know, whatever. And would you go, wow, I mean, would you, would you treat that scenario, would you look at the sins that I committed in this scenario differently than the sins over here? Because sometimes I think when it comes to gluttony, when it comes to food, and maybe kind of being lazy and, and, and that, you would go, you know what, it's kind of socially acceptable sin. It's not like that kind of stuff. When the Bible teaches that God sees sin as sin, And Paul's point throughout this text is that God has intertwined the spirit and the body together, that they cannot be separated, and that he has a purpose for our temple, that he created the temple, he created your temple, that he values your temple, that he has a purpose for your temple, and his plans should not be thwarted because of our bad temple management. Listen, I am not a health nut. I, I don't preach on this. I don't think I've ever preached on this before, actually. But I do want to commit to becoming the very best temple manager that I can be to provide room for the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do through me, to give him the best possible environment for him to thrive in my life. And I want that for you. So where am I at now? I talked about who I used to be, but where am I at today? So we've lived here now for three years, I said. And I finally got around to getting a doctor, okay? So May 26th, I went to go see him, and I got a routine kind of checkup. And he looked at me and said, now, Matt, your cholesterol isn't bad. That didn't sound good, though. He said, but it's not great. And you know how you go on, and you get on the scale, the first thing you do— No longer 175 pounds, I'm 192 pounds. And no longer do I have even a hint of a six-pack of abs. Now I just have an ab. (laughs) And I would say that I have not been doing the best I possibly can to be the temple that God wants me to be. And so I, I just turned 40. Just turned 40 in March, and I've made it a commitment. I've kind of adopted this, this hashtag, uh, the fit after 40, because I, I want to be the best temple that I can be for God. I want to be a good example for my boys to see what am I, the habits that I'm doing so they can go, you know what, my dad is doing those things. I want to set that good example for them, and I want my wife to think that I'm a Maserati. So I want that to happen. and. I have begun this journey, this forty simple days, with all of all of you who are who are committing to this. All right, and what that's looked like in my life this week is I am making room in my day for God. I'm putting the big rocks in first, like we talked about last week, which means I'm going to the forty simple guide reading guide and want to read what what God's going to speak through some of the members of our church that day. I want to read a chapter of scripture. I want to run more. I want to eat healthier. And listen, this whole journey is always be- better done together. You know, we have providing, we're providing all these different kinds of groups you can get into. We can try it. If it's not for you, try something else. But we've got Tai Chi, which there were some people on Tuesday who were here doing that. There were there's a, a dog walking group that's going out and walking together at OUZ, the walking trail's there. We've got a karate and self-defense class going on, a CrossFit and boot camp thing on Thursday nights. All kinds of stuff that we're saying man, we want to get you every opportunity to get fit and to get out there and try things. And maybe you need to grab someone with you who will stick with you and you can encourage one another in this. Many of you know Chris Steele. He's our connections minister here. And back in like January, February, I noticed that like he was shrinking Right right before my eyes, like he was, we was going away. I'm like, what's going on in your life? He said, well, you know, Tanya and I, we really have set out to eat healthier, to, to work out more, and we're, we're trying to lose some weight. And it was working, man. They, we, were t- we were encouraging them in that way. And he said he cut soda from his, his diet, and he was sleeping better and feeling better. And after a while, though, he said about a month, about a month ago, he had a wall. Kind of plateaued and wasn't losing weight any longer and just kind of got really hard at this whole thing. And he and I are uber competitive with one another. Okay? And we want to push each other and encourage one another in different ways through this 40 simple. So I've also adopted another hashtag. And you can use it. Okay? Fitter than steel. Feel free to use this for yourself as well. Um and listen, I am I'm trying to eat more vegetables, trying to eat more fruit, get away from the red meats, and stay away from processed food. All this stuff, because I want to be the best temple. And if God's using me to be that temple, I want to put the best fuels in this body that I can, so that he can use me in bigger ways. And listen, if you need a, a guide to help you, I would highly encourage a book called The Daniel Plan. It's more than a diet. It also brings in the spiritual truths of God into this. Uh, it's a great, great book, great story. And I know many people in our church who've actually used it and go, yeah. i actually, if you read the reading plan this week, you heard from Amy Jackson, who talked about how this book has been a big difference in her life. But the whole purpose of the temple was for it to be a place for people to come and meet With God. And now the temple is no longer a building. The temple is us. God now chooses to dwell in in, in me and in you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. So no longer do the people come to the temple. Now the temple goes to the people. So when you are at the supermarket, when you are at your workplace, when you are at the ball fields, when you are in your neighborhood, the presence of God goes with and may those people come into the very presence of God because of the way we are making room for him to become greater in our lives. I want to close with that verse that Zach said earlier, Romans 12.1. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, because this is your true and proper worship. And it starts with a sacrifice, doesn't it? And not just a sacrifice that we got to make time and eat better and that kind of stuff. It started with another sacrifice, not our own, but with God's when he provided the ultimate sacrifice for us. When we were helpless, when we were in our sin, when we were racked with guilt, when we were stuck in our past, God made a way for us to come back to him through his son, Jesus. And now when we become a follower of his, that guilt, that past is gone. And we have a new start. We have the spirit. The Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead, it lives in you. The Holy Spirit. That same power can do great work in you if you let him. Before you do that, you have to be a follower of Christ. And that's what we're going to offer right now, a decision for you to come forward to say, I'm in. I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to be baptized into him and begin my life with him. Would you stand as we sing?